Davidson's has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. They're locally owned. They've got a massive selection. You can go in and carry out our personal favorite Breck brews or anything else that you want. And, of course, their staff is incredibly knowledgeable. Like many places in Colorado, they are back open, which is great to hear. And it means you can go in there and really listen to their knowledgeable staff and, and pick up tips. What Maybe you want some wine for a date night. Maybe you want some whiskey for a solo night. Whatever you're looking for. Davidson's is going to have it. So make sure you head over to Davidson's in Centennial or Highlands Ranch today. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high, the best part of the weekend. Hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. You guys know the drill. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips with rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who will bring the real world into the classroom. It's, it's the type of education designed for someone like you. You don't want to go back and, you know, flip through textbooks and this sort of thing. You want to be able to apply these to your real life situations that you're working through right now. You want to get that degree in as quick as possible, and what better time to start than now? So go over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. You'll find that it's extremely vast, and you'll probably find something for you. My boy, RK, what's up, brother? What's up, my man? Uh, it's, it's a throwback pod today. No Mace. Mace is uh, enjoying the, the Wisconsin summer, uh, which he deserves to do. So uh, we're, we're rolling it just you and me today, Zach. How do you feel about that? It is a throwback one day early to throwback Thursday, but you know what? We'll, way uh, back Wednesday. Yeah, way back Wednesday. There we go. Do you think we can get mad today? You know, uh, I was searching for things to get mad about, and like, uh, I, right as we speak, I'm in Boulder at my parents' house, just like looking over the flat irons. There's not a cloud in the sky, and I'm just <laughs> like, wow, it's, I don't think there's anything I have to get mad today. Maybe something will come up in the comment section. That spurs a uh, little we get mad Wednesday, but if not, you know what? We'll we'll just we'll call it a way back Wednesday and <laughs> get mad tomorrow or something. So I assume Nick Wright hasn't opened his mouth since uh, since Monday. As far as I know, he's been uh, <laughs> let go because I haven't heard anything from him. Just how Broncos country wants it. Exactly, but we do have a fun segment planned here uh, to start things off, and it was based off a commenter. Uh, who left us a list of superlatives to kind of take a stab at in terms of where these players will uh, will land or what players will land in these categories after the season. And I think this is a fun way to kind of, you know, give our views on things. And we've gone over similar things like this before, but I like the categories they gave here. I wish we remember who gave it to us, but Zach, you have them listed in front of you. So why don't you start rattling them off? And we'll see uh, where we fall on some of these superlatives. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this was uh, a comment from Polly and Waukesha, and that would be fitting with Mace up there uh, in that area right now. So, Ryan, let's jump into these. Let's start with the tough one. Most overrated. Wow, that is a tough one. We're starting on the downside. I don't even know if that counts as a superlative. It's like the opposite of a superlative. <laughs> right. 
Uh, most overrated. The most overrated player on the Broncos. I'm trying to think who's getting all the hype right now, who I just need to see more, don't think they're going to have a great season. You're shaking your head, and if it's because you have someone in mind, I may be agreeing with you. <sighs> no, I know where you're going. It's not where I'm going. <laughs> I hate that I'm doing this because, again, I don't want to be known as a guy who doesn't like this guy. But as I've been talking to people, and, and last week I posted something about his position group on Twitter, and I saw just a crazy response of people who were mad that I said this. Uh, and I was talking to some of my friends, and they disagree with me on this. And so, again, I really like this guy. I think he's going to be great for the Broncos. <laughs> I, I know think, where you're going. <laughs> I think that Melvin Gordon might be the most overrated player on the team. You know, his name gives him a certain panache. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 it puts him in a certain area that I just don't know if that's where he should be. I think he's going to be a fantastic back in a room with two really good backs. I think they play off each other well. But I, some people in the conversations that I have, have had are talking about Melvin Gordon as if he's Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott, like a guy who's just going to come in and run the ball 30 times a game and win the game on his own shoulders. And that's just not the guy he is. So, ugh, I hate this. I I don't want to be known as the guy who doesn't like Melvin Gordon because anyone who listens to this podcast knows that the second that, uh, that he was picked up, I was all about it, and I am all about it. But I think people are just a little bit uh, confused on who Melvin Gordon is and why I like that. Well, Ryan, I, th I think that's an excellent choice right there because when you look at a running back and they've only had one season where they've rushed for more than four yards a carry, I mean, we're not setting the bar very high, and yet he's a guy that's now the sixth highest paid running back in the league, making $8 million this year and next year. Um, that doesn't really add up, and so I think you compare that with the money he's making – and the fact that I, I believe he's going to be the Broncos' number one running back, whether that's right or wrong, I just think that's how the coaching staff is viewing it. I think you're absolutely right um, on saying that. Oh, man. And I – can I choose, like, Royce Freeman or something? <laughs> uh, no, if anything, Tim, Royce Tim Freeman's Patrick. probably underrated. <laughs> yeah, he, he probably is. Oh, man. So I'm going to have to look to the other side of the ball. And uh, I hate this. I, I mean, I hate it more than you saying Melvin Gordon. But I'm just viewing this as right now. I'm not looking at an entire career. But right now, I have to say it, number 58. I don't even want to say his name because it just, it just feels so wrong. But, I mean, who who is the most – looked at Bronco um, locally, nationally, it's, it's Von Miller and he gets all the attention as, as he should. He was Super Bowl MVP. He he's, he's absolutely uh, a hall of famer in my mind, ring of famer, absolutely worth the number two overall pick brought the Super Bowl to Denver. But right now, Ryan, we were talking just a few weeks ago about Von Miller's production last year. And I told you, I was shocked when I saw it was single digits. I just, because it happened to me. I, I after the season, kind of took a step back and 
You know, it was like, oh, it's Von Miller. He must have been in double digits, right? I gave him the benefit of the doubt right there. But no, he had eight sacks last year. That was the only time in his career where he's played more than 10 games that he had single digit sacks. And that's that's not good enough. You know, you're paying him to be in the conversation of defensive MVP every single year. And then he has under 10 sacks. And it obviously sacks aren't everything. He's a great all-around player, but he needs to be a game changer. And he wasn't that last year. You're paying him a ton of money this year. So he's got to live up to that. Um, and I think I'll come back around to Von Miller with one of these. Yeah, you know, it, it's. I think that one actually, it's a better answer than mine. Because who's the highest rated player on the Broncos? It's Von Miller. And he just hasn't lived up. I mean, I he's great. He is great. But he hasn't lived up to his contract at all. I mean, the contract that he's being paid says you should be in the, con- in the conversation for defensive player of the year every year. And he hasn't sniffed it uh, since he won Super Bowl MVP. So, again... He earned his money. He deserves every bit of it. And he has played extremely well. He has been a very, 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 very good defensive player. Uh, But he hasn't quite lived up to it. I think it's fair to say that he's overrated. And that doesn't have to be taken in the way that, you know, um, like maybe like a Nick Foles is overrated. And people think he can play when he really can't. Uh, It's it's people – value him as a you know an nfl royalty and i just think he's like one tier below that yep i i totally agree all right ryan now let's move to the positive side most underrated player <laughs> well i could just go the other side of this, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you I, could. I, I, I honestly don't think he's under i don't think philip lindsey's underrated in broncos country everyone loves him i think people are underrating what he's going to do at that running back position this year, but that's not the the direction I'm going to go. I am going to go here, and and I like I like my answer here because I think that this guy is being overlooked in a weird way that has nothing to do with how good he is, but I think he's being very underrated, and that is KJ Hamler. I think that KJ Hamler is becoming an afterthought in conversations about the Broncos offense, just because there's so many names, so many recognizable names at this point around the country. Everyone knows who Drew Locke is. Everyone knows who Cortland Sutton is. Anyone who has watched any college football over the last couple of years knows who Jerry Judy is. No offense, a name that, you know, fantasy players might've come around to last year. Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon are both stars. I would say on the NFL landscape. And so all of a sudden, there's just plenty of names for you to, to, to discuss when it comes to the Broncos offense. And KJ Hamler's name doesn't come up unless you're talking to like Chad Johnson. So I think KJ Hamler is underrated by association. He's surrounded by so many names that when, when, when the average person starts talking about the Broncos offense, it takes them a while before they get to KJ Hamler's name. And I feel very confident in the fact that K.J. Hamler is going to be a big-time playmaker for the Denver Broncos offense. And I think that he'll add his name to that ring this year as a recognizable name around the country. Um, I think he's going to be the best third receiver the Broncos have had in a very long time. 
probably since Wes Welker, if you call Wes Welker a third receiver, even though it might be a little unfair to him, but it was, you know, Demarius, uh, Eric Decker, and Wes Welker. Maybe you call Decker the third receiver there, in which case my point stands. Best third receiver since that group. Uh, and I just don't think he's being talked about enough. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic uh, pick there, Ryan. And I totally agree with you. Um, you. You said Philip Lindsay, and I agree with you. I think in Broncos country, he gets uh, he's he's not underrated at all. But in the Broncos' eyes, right, he may be underrated because they went and paid Melvin Gordon eleven times the amount that Phil's getting paid. They haven't given Phil a new contract or given them a boost in, in any salary aspect. So from a Broncos perspective, probably Philip Lindsay. But in my eyes, I'm going to go with a guy on the other side of the ball. I'm going to go with Jarrell Casey. And it's mm. kind of exactly what you're saying with KJ Hamler. With the guys he's surrounded with, I think he's flying under the radar. Wait, because when you think of the Broncos pass rush, you think Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and uh Malik Reed. no oh yeah there's Jarrell Casey right okay okay this guy's a five-time pro bowler he's made the pro bowl every single year for the last five seasons if the Broncos didn't have such a star-studded offseason uh because he was only one of two trades that they made if if they didn't also uh get another pro bowl on the defensive side of the ball in A.J. Boye and then of course on the offensive side of the ball everything they did stole the headlines if they didn't do that I think we'd be giving a lot more attention to Jarrell Casey. And it's awesome what they've done on the offensive side of the ball. But they just added a five-time Pro Bowler in Jarrell Casey. I don't think he gets enough hype. Yeah, uh, he's legit, like super legit. And heck, you know, we talk about Vaughn Miller, and maybe, just maybe, it's the addition of Jarrell Casey that unlocks the Von Miller that you and I are looking for. Um, because it's not a knock on Derek Wolf. Um, he's just not an elite player or even a, what's a, what's a, a, a level below elite, you know, a, a top tier player, right. uh, a pro bowler. He's not a pro bowler. All right. That's yep. the easiest way to put this. He's never been one. And uh, Jarrell Casey, you know, basically wakes up and makes the Pro Bowl. So yeah. this will be the, uh, the best player, at least in a while, that Von Miller has played with and probably potentially the best player that he's been a tandem with in his career. And because of that, uh, I think you're very right here. It's not being talked about enough. But I think that's, it's the, the, uh, the Vic Fangio effect. Like, it's just easy to say. Like, and the defense is going to be pretty good under Vic Fangio. And then that's like all you really have to say, you know? <laughs> right, right, exactly. And Vaughn always said that playing with Derek Wolf was like Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki. What, what's it going to what, – what's, what's it now? And I don't remember. Was he Steve? He was Dirk. He was Dirk, right, right, because Derek was Steve setting him up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe now it's like Stockton and Malone. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, aside from Carl Malone being extremely problematic, uh, <laughs> they were incredible together. Uh, what other combination could that be? I mean, I would say, you know, Murray and Jokic, but that's kind of a downgrade from Nash and Nowitzki. It's, um, it's not. It's, it's a duo, but, I mean, are they taking a step up to Kobe and Shaq? 
Yeah, I mean, you could go that route. It's just a different dynamic. It, you know, it's not right. like Kobe was setting up Shaq all the time. <laughs> I don't think so, especially late in the careers. <laughs> uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I think the, the natural progression there would be Stockton and Malone. Mm, I like that. I like that. So, Vaughn shouldn't be too disappointed that Derek isn't here anymore. Yeah, like you could also go like Jordan Pippen route, but again, right. neither one of those guys were really like getting the other guy his shots. No, no, not really. <laughs> Man, all right, Brian, let's go to simply the best player. Best player on the Denver Broncos. And this is tough because uh, what approach do you take? Do you take the Madden rating approach? Do you think who's going to have the most productivity this season? Yeah, you know – Best player on the Denver Broncos. <laughs> God. You know who pops into my mind right away and I feel wrong about it? I feel so wrong. Jerry Judy. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 Zach. Zach, slow down on, on Jerry Judy right now. <laughs> I know. We've talked so much about these guys. Um, and I mean, my mind bounced around. I, the first, my first thought, I'll just take you guys through my brain process. Here. My first <laughs> thought was Von Miller. Yep. Um, my second thought was Cortland Sutton. Yep. Then I kind of bounced around between Drew Locke and Jerry Judy and, uh, <laughs> even had a little Dalton Reisner thought in there. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, the safe answer here is to say Von Miller, um, and that's kind of what makes the Broncos interesting is they aren't top heavy. They're, no. they're, come here. So my dog is uh, whining at me. I don't know. <laughs> come on. There you go. Um, Just wants to get in on the pod. Yeah. You know, he's got takes. Uh, Von Miller is like the only one that you can just say it and forget it. You know what I mean? Yep. To say any other name, you're going to have to come up with a really convincing case. Um, So I think as it stands, it's Von Miller. But I I think that that changes by the end of this year. And I don't necessarily – it's hard to compare Von Miller to this guy. But I think by the end of the season, Drew Locke is the face of the franchise. Hmm. Yep, I, I totally agree, and that would be huge for the Broncos um, because you, you need the quarterback to be that. Like we've talked about the last four seasons, having Vaughn is, is great, but look what it gets you. It gets you having Vaughn Miller, and that's it. It doesn't get you those wins. The formula isn't in place, and Ryan, I agree with you. The way I view this is who in week one would I be least surprised with if absolutely went off and probably lean toward Vaughn just from everything he's done you can you can still convince yourself that he's in his prime and that he's about to have a second wave of his prime you can convince yourself of that so I'll go with Vaughn to start the season but I do think that it changes and that in one year from now we're not talking about how he's this type of guy you really hope that it's Drew Locke and Man, I think by the end of this season, Jerry Judy is really going to be in that conversation. Really uh, going to be in it. It's funny you say that because obviously I'm right there with you on the Jerry Judy hype train. But I actually am more inclined to say that uh, at the end of this year, Cortland Sutton is going to be in that conversation because I ju- I'm just thinking as we speak, 
who's the second best player on the Broncos? And I think it might be Cortland Sutton right now. Yeah. Um, the and, and that's scary for other teams because if they want to pay Cortland Sutton second best player on the team attention, well, then Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Noah Fant and all those guys are just going to eat. And that's what makes this team so exciting. But um, Cortland Sutton has all of the tools. He really does have all the tools to be an NFL star. And he's got the work ethic and he's got, you know, the grit. And I think he is there right now. And I also think there's a great chance that uh, out of nowhere – someone like Jerry Judy can just vault himself into the conversation. Yep, yep, I totally agree with that. All right, Ryan, next one, key new addition. So, yeah, you mentioned this guy's name earlier, so we don't have to talk too much about him, but I think the key new addition that just is, isn't is being maybe talked about enough, you know, he talks so much about the offense, but it's uh, it's Jarrell Casey. Um, he's just – he's a beast, and uh, you, you, can, you can never have too many beasts. I think that – when we're talking about this defense being so good, we're going to say his name a lot in, in, during the season. I, I agree. And I think there's a lot of places you can look here. Of course, Jarrell, I'll stick with that side of the ball and go with AJ Boye and the Broncos in terms of talent, maybe downgraded a tiny bit in that cornerback spot by losing Chris and picking up Boye in terms of like a career type of talent. I think they did downgrade, but right now, I think they upgraded, and not just in how good the player is this coming season, but how it fits in Vic Fangio's defense. I mean, by the time – we love Chris Harris. We, we love him. Uh, he's welcome on this pod anytime. But by the time he left Denver, Ryan, he seemed confused. He seemed confused with what he wanted. He wanted to be inside. Then he wanted to be just outside. Then, uh, then that role didn't work for him. And the defense just didn't fit him. I think you could ask Vic that. And if he was honest, he would say it wasn't the best fit. I think you could ask Chris that. And he would say it wasn't the best fit. Now you get a guy who fits 100% of what you're doing. He's going to be an outside guy. Vic's not going to have to worry about him. And really, it allows Vic to just focus on the third cornerback position and saying, okay, I have five guys. I need to fill one hole with that third cornerback position. If Bryce Callahan's healthy, of course, uh, and I don't even have to worry about AJ Boye um, on the field, off the field, anything. And I think that's going to be big for the Broncos defense. Man, we, you know, maybe it's tomorrow, maybe it's Friday, maybe it's sometime next week. We need to have a whole pod, a whole first segment that's about the defense. We just haven't talked nearly about it. And every time we talk about this team, we talk about the offense, and obviously there's a reason for that. One, offense sells. Not that we're thinking of that uh, when we start these podcasts. It, two, it's just it's the most interesting development because they have a chance, I think, to go from a terrible offense to a very good offense. Uh, but, you know, the more we talk about this defense on today's podcast, the more I keep remembering, like, wait, what if they have a top five defense? Right. Like, it's very, very, very possible that they're going to have a top five defense, Zach. And if they do, so much of this stuff that we're talking about isn't as important as we're making it out to be. Now, we know that you can't just – the defense can't take you the whole way. We've learned that over the last few years, especially, you know, 2016 being the most perfect example of that. But 
if this team has a top five defense, you don't need Drew Locke to be a world beater. You just need him to be okay slash good. And this is a playoff team. And I just, you know, when you hear guys like Colin Cowher and Adam Rank throwing out these out, what, what a lot of people think are outlandish projections, you're thinking about the offense. But you got to come back to this defense. This defense could carry this team to an 11-5 season. They can be that good. Yeah, they, they really can be, should be a top five defense. Heck, they're the number one paid defense. They have so much talent. Uh, you had a little investment in the draft. You had a lot of investment in trades and free agency. And the, you're right, Ryan, that the offense is going to be the flash of this team, but the defense should be the ones getting the job done for this year. While we have seen uh, kind of a shift, that the shift that's happening with this Broncos team is very much still in the initial stage of the shift. The full shift hasn't happened yet. That'll happen potentially next year, depending. The Broncos have a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball um, that they could move on from after this year. And I've got an article coming up later this week uh, about that exactly. But that shift hasn't happened yet. The defense should still be the ones driving this team, even though they're not the ones getting all the attention. Yeah, it's... I wonder if they can find a way to make that a chip on their shoulder that, you know, oh man, everyone's talking about the offense. They're forgetting about us. Even, you know, I haven't heard what Adam Rank said, but even Colin Cowherd, he just, he only talked about the offense and then said like Vic Fangio's going to, defenses get better every year or whatever. Like he didn't even mention Jarrell Casey or Bradley Chubb or Vaughn Miller or AJ Boye or Bryce Callahan or Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. I mean, the best, arguably the best safety duo in the NFL sits back there and they yeah. were just like the sixth names that I I listed. So maybe they can, uh, they can put a chip on their shoulder based on the fact that we're guilty of this. No, no one is talking about them enough. Right. Exactly. All right, Ryan, two more here. Who takes a leap? Who takes a leap? Who needs to take a leap? Hmm. And what, what constitutes a leap? Right. Um, I think Noah Fant takes a leap. I'm just going to start naming names, and then I'll, I'll figure out who my favorite one take is. Take us through your process, thought process. What's going on in that in RK's head right now? So I think Noah Fant takes a leap. I think Bradley Chubb needs to take a leap. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the leap could just be from disappointing start of last season and then injury back to where he was his rookie year. How many did he have his rookie year? 12 and a half. 12. Yep. 12 sacks. Yeah, I'm on board. Good job, Bradley. Yep. You know, that's a leap. Honestly, weirdly enough, matching his rookie season would be a leap for me. Um, leap, leap, leap. Deshaun I, Hamilton? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, Dalton Reisner takes a leap. You know, it was interesting looking. He built um, like immunity over the first part of the season because he was like the one, you know, stalwart on a just shaky offensive line. And then he had a really bad end of the season because he got hurt. Um, so overall, I think his rookie season was good, not great. I think he can have a great sophomore season. Mm, I think so too. Uh, I'm going to settle in though on Noah Fant. I think that Noah Fant, becomes a you know a big time fantasy tight end this year 
Yeah, and that, that would be huge. I mean, we just keep talking about the weapons. And, Ryan, there's a reason that everyone's talking about the offense is because it's – you can talk about Noah Fant taking the big leap. You can talk about Cortland Sutton taking another leap because he finally has some pieces around him which defenses are going to have to pay attention to. But the disrespectful truth uh, to Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick is defenses at the end of the year didn't need to focus on them. They could put two – two guys in a safety over to cover Cortland Sutton. And you saw that slow Cortland Sutton down. So he should take a leap. And then of course you have a first round receiver and a second round. receiver. there's just so much to talk about on the offensive side of the ball. And who, another guy that I'll say could take a leap uh, throw into the conversation is Draymond Jones. Um, a guy that won AFC defensive player of the week last year uh, to in week 16 he could take a big leap if he gets playing time, but if he gets playing time, could, could be a big question for him. He'll get playing time, but how much, we're not exactly sure yet. Uh, Alexander Johnson could take a leap, but I'll go, I'll go with the guy that you touched on, and that's Dalton Reisner. I thought last year, by the end of the season, he would be Denver's best offensive lineman, and I think that turned out to be true. This year, I think he's going to be at the Graham Glasgow type of performance where last year Graham finished as like a top 10 guard in the league. And of course that's taking two positions of guard. So there's 60 positions. I think they're both going to be neck and neck for borderline pro bowl. Uh, maybe just misses the pro bowl this year, but then is in the pro bowl conversation the following year. And it, he was already a good player last year, but he's going to take that next step this year. And one thing that I should add, and I, uh, I just want to bring it up, I, I will continue to be vague about this, uh, about my, uh, my pick of Noah Fant, and I mentioned this earlier in the offseason. Again, I'll, I'm going to be a little bit vague here um, for reasons. Uh, but the Broncos feel like they identified something in the offseason with Noah Fant that can be corrected, that isn't necessarily a mechanical, a you know, fundamental issue it's something that he was dealing with um that they think they might they might have corrected in the offseason that could unlock Noah Fant to another level and as he was the best rookie tight end in the NFL last year that should excite you yeah it really should Ryan that's a that's a great point there um and you know what I'm gonna change my pick in a should take a leap I'm going Jawan James. I mean, oh. this this is the year. Every even year is when he plays a full set of games. We the, the history said he was going to miss most of last year. Now, didn't know how much of last year he was going to miss, but he's supposed to play in all 16 games this season, according to history, and it seems like he's recovering on the right path right now. And what him playing a full game would be taking a leap. If he just plays in the games, that'll be taking a leap. And Elijah Wilkinson, the disrespectful truth was last year, he was not a good backup when he played. So the right tackle position just by Juwan James playing, even if he's just average, will take a huge leap. We have one more of these. One more. And can I take... jump in? Can I just jump in real quick and ask you something? Yes. Do you believe that it is a, greater than zero chance that the Broncos can win the Super Bowl in in 2020 yes yeah I do would you have said that last year oh boy probably I mean maybe you could have talked yourself into like a Joe Flacco if he gets in the playoffs has done it before 
Sure. But, I mean, maybe you would have said like a three to two to one percent chance last year. Yeah, probably not more than one. Yeah. Where are you at on that this year? Boy, because of what we talked about, the Broncos could easily, easily make the playoffs. In fact, all three of us have them making the playoffs. And then once you're there, I mean, you have Von Miller, who's won a Super Bowl pretty much on his back, plus this offense. Oh, don't tell Derek Wolf he said that. <laughs> I would probably go, boy, this is, this is tough. And it's not going to seem like a big increase, but it's three times more than last year. I'll go 3%. Okay, that's fair. I've got it, I've got it at like 5%. Yeah. Um, and there's a part of me that almost feels like I'm – uh, saying that's low, like going low on that, just because I don't want people's expectations to get out of whack. But I, I just I understand what the path looks like. It begins and ends with Drew Locke, but it also begins and ends with that defense. If they're the best defense in the league, as Vic Fangio has very recently piloted, then anything can happen after that. Anyways, I just I was just thinking about that as we've talked about this defense. Really has me riding high today. I'm feeling great about this defense right now. (laughs) As you should. They're the highest paid defense. And I'm trying to find what the, uh, what the Broncos most recent Super Bowl odds are. Cause you would have them at 20 to one and I'd have them at 33 to one. I believe with those odds that we gave. I'll Um, be able to find this for you here pretty quick on DraftKings Sportsbook. There we go. Let's see. NFL. Team Futures. Oh, I got it right here, too. On DraftKings, of course, the most reliable place to go. 50 to 1. Yep. So, Ryan, we should... I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. No, that's right. Is it? Yeah, because 500 would be 5 to 1. 5 to 1, yep. So, 5,000. Counting zeros is hard for me. So, Um, we're, we're saying I have... Wow. Okay. I have them... The same place Vegas has the LA Rams. I like, I mean, I know the Rams were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but I like the Broncos more than the Rams. Yeah, and let's see, where do I have them? I have them right where the Philadelphia Eagles are. And again, yeah. I feel very comfortable with the Broncos being in a group somewhere in between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, in, in in that group, you have the Seahawks, you have the Vikings, you have the Steelers, you have the Patriots. Wow, the Patriots, the Bills, the Colts, uh, the Packers, and the Titans. I mean, I I like that. I, I, if the Broncos are in there, in that group, I'm saying, yeah, What what's wrong with that? So here's the, the group that, that Vegas, or yeah, at least DraftKings, believes the Broncos fall into. Los Angeles Chargers, Arizona Cardinals, too low, by the way, uh, Houston Texans, Detroit Lions, Las Vegas Raiders is like their little cluster there. Um, Intr- I, I don't like that group. No. I'm, I'm a little surprised the Texans are 50 to 1. But I don't really like the Broncos being in there with the Lions, the Chargers. Uh, it's a weird group. Yeah, you know, you know, again, above the Broncos, you've got the Browns at only 40 to 1, the Bears at only 40 to 1, the Atlanta Falcons no, at 40 I would, to 1. I hate the Bears and Falcons at 40 to 1. 
Yeah, so I just I, – I think the Broncos are a little too low here. Um, maybe I was a little on the high side with my 5% because right above the Philadelphia Eagles is the Dallas Cowboys at uh, 17 to 1, and I basically put the Broncos at 20 to 1. Um, they're a legit Super Bowl contender in my mind. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a pretty steep drop-off uh, between them and my Eagles. I know it's hard, it's hard for me to say that um, <laughs> because, uh, you know, I hate the Cowboys as much as the next guy, but I actually do believe they're a legit Super Bowl contender. Um, and, that, and, and, I'm, and I'm not saying the Broncos can't win a Super Bowl. I just got done saying they can. But I wouldn't, call, I wouldn't put them in legit Super Bowl contender conversation. So maybe it's closer to 25 to 1, um, which would put them in there in that group with the, uh, with the Vikings and Steelers and Patriots. Uh, Buffalo Bills, but I totally understand why people don't see it the way that we do. Yeah, well, and and that that's interesting. I actually put the big drop off coming right ahead of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender. I'm surprised you think they're a Super Bowl contender with uh, with Dak there. I'd put the drop off being in between Tampa Bay at 13 to one and the Cowboys at 17 to one. Yeah, you know if you. Um... If you made me pick one of these and say, what's the best value? I think it's the Cowboys. Um, wow. I just, I, I hate that. I, I hate that. I like them. Um, <laughs> I, I think their defense is really good. I think Dak, I, and I said this earlier this year when we had a conversation about Dak and how much you're going to pay him. I think Dak can win the Super Bowl, which is why I would pay him. Um, and it might, it might be a small chance that he can pull that off. But I mean, Dak, Zeke, CD Lamb, Amari Cooper. I'm forgetting one of their receivers. Um, who is it? Who am I forgetting? You're forgetting Gallup. Oh, right. That's why. Um, <laughs> I thought that was a joke. No, no, I really was forgetting him. Um, but again, he's legit. Uh, you know, the defense is really solid. They've got a just a young general on that defense in Leighton Vander Esch. Jalen Smith. I mean, there's just so so many players that if they weren't on the Cowboys, I would really love them. Um, other than Dak, you know, who is a big uh, a big the biggest piece to this, them pulling this off. But other than him, I like all of their important players. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that, that's fair. Other than the quarterback, I even like Michael Gallup. He was really nice to us when we talked to him at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, he was. I think the best odds here. Are the Tampa Bay Bucks at thirteen to one in terms of value? No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm not betting on any franchise like that. Sorry, sorry, Mace. <laughs> that would, uh, man, that would put me even in the pizza bets. Are we making a pizza bet on this? We already have. If uh, the Bucks don't win the make the playoffs, you win a pizza. The Bucks oh, make the Super Bowl, I win a pizza. Oh, right, right. That's why I took that bet. There's a lot of middle ground in there. <laughs> yeah. How many pizzas do you owe me right now? Two? Am I at two? I, I definitely know I owe you a pizza, that's for sure. Well, I'm off keto right now, so maybe oh. I'll send you my order tonight. <laughs> Perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, by the way, so I uh, am taking care of my parents' dog, house slash dogs this week, and they just didn't have very many keto options in the house. So I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just break. Um, but yesterday I'm at the DNVR bar and I remembered this is the first time I had been at the DNVR bar off keto. 
Mm. And I remembered I had to go across the street. And let me tell you, folks, you got to try this. Across the street from the DNVR bar, there's a place called Smith and Cannon Ice Cream. They will serve you a cold brew float. So you get just incredible nitro cold brew with a scoop of ice cream in it. It will change your life. That sounds unreal. Oh it my gosh. And so then it's, good, you get the cream and the sugar and the nitro. And we talked recently about cinnamon toast crunch, right? On this podcast. I yep. got their ice cream in my coffee. I got their ice cream called Foxy Brown. And that is a um, cinnamon crunch cheesecake ice cream. Oh my gosh. That literally tasted like cinnamon toast crunch cheesecake. It was incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. In ice cream. That sounds unreal. So when you come by the DNVR bar, go across the street and get your cold brew float. You most certainly will not regret it. That's free advertisement for them because it's that good. So you get dinner at DNVR, you go across the street, get ice cream, then come back for some drinks. Right. You get that cold brew. It fires you up and lets, <laughs> lets you go through the whole night. Yeah. Oh, man. I love it. All right. What's the last one on the list here? We got quite derailed. I say, I say we end on that note. The, uh, the last one would have brought us down. All right. Yeah. And we're not going there today. <laughs> no way. This is, uh, this is. We're not getting mad at that. This is wildly high on the Broncos Wednesday. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> oh, man. Well, another thing that we are wildly high on uh, is Breck Brews. And, and it might not be wild at all. While, um, while off keto yesterday, I got what I believe is the most underrated. Speaking of most underrated, most overrated. And I, and I swear I, I, this isn't just a segue that I'm saying this. I got what I believe is the most underrated Breck Brew. And it's on tap at the dnvr bar it's mango mosaic this beer is so underrated i don't understand why it's not in like the upper echelon of the you know when they get caught when you talk about the breck brew elites you gotta talk about mango mosaic it's it's you know it's probably become clear to our listeners that i like fruit and beer in the summer i just think that that is an incredible combination but this one like it's got a nice little punch to it it's also got mango. I'm not even the biggest fan of mango flavored things. It's and it doesn't have that like artificial mango flavoring. It's just got that nice fruity um, you know, forward taste and then you get the nice like strong beer taste after that. Great stuff. Yeah, it, it really is. Breck has mastered the fruit beer, which is hard to do, but they have done it. They really have. And again, you know, anyone who tries to tell you that fruit doesn't belong in beer is just not enjoying summer beers nearly enough. Yeah, they don't they're not enjoying their life right now. Exactly. <laughs> sorry to hear about it. And guys, I mean, we were just talking about how the place we go to look at bets and get odds is DraftKings Sportsbook. So that's where you should go as well. And of course, we're looking at futures with the NFL right now. But guys, you don't have to wait for live sports to be back because golf is here and DraftKings has another full weekend of golf on their website and on their app. And guys, you don't have to sit by and wait for the winners this week. You can jump in and bet on golf, whether it's day by day, whether it's for the entire tournament, or whether it's hole by hole. And DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, is putting you in the center of the action with the sign-up bonus up to one 
$1,000. So guys, DraftKings Sportsbook is the place to be to get in all of your weekend tournament bets this weekend. So head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including, like I said, props, player props, day-by-day -day action, and hole-by-hole -hole live betting. The DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw funds at your convenience. So guys, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that code DNVR when you sign up. And for a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So don't forget, enter that code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Yeah, and Zach, you mentioned the golf. They have an amazing opportunity this weekend, uh, and I won't throw around that term lightly when it comes to this stuff. Um, they've got a prop bet on there now that you can opt into. Once you're on there, you know what, the, what, what opt-in means because you see it a lot as they throw these fun bets at you. And check this out. Any American to win the tournament, any American, can be anyone as long as they have an American flag next to their name, you get that entire field of Americans plus 200, two to one odds on any American to win. And, you know, I'm just looking at the, the top people on the list here. Bryson DeChambeau, the second favorite American. Justin Thomas, third American. Xander Shoffley, fifth American. Colin Morikawa, sixth American. Patrick Reed, uh, Webb Simpson, Daniel Berger, Jordan Spieth, Gary Woodland. I mean, you just go down the list. Tony Finau, Matt Kuchar, Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka. Holy like cow. Two out of every three names on this list of guys that are looking to win this tournament uh, are, are Americans. And, you know, of course, you're going to have to go up against a Rory McIlroy and um, John Rahm uh, is in there. But you got to love your odds two to one to get the entire field of Americans. And that includes the second favorite this weekend in the tournament. That's insane. Yeah, that's a fun, that's a fun one. So uh, get in, go to DraftKings Sportsbook, make sure you get that before it goes away. Yeah, no doubt about that. That sound, and, and then you can be very patriotic this weekend as well. Right, exactly. All right, Ryan, let's talk to the listeners. First one coming in from Mile High Mike. Hey, fam. Been about a week since my last comment, probably due to my son being born a week ago today. Hey, congrats. Congratulations. The Madden League knows about it, but about my kid, but I thought I'd share our excitement with everyone else. I got to play podcast catch up and binged about four, binged about four podcasts. Some of my thoughts are a little late. First, all mustard is fantastic. I don't discriminate. About to start a protest for mustard equality. Delicious. Second, Mace, your tomato sandwich sounds awful, and I like tomatoes. Give me a lettuce. Give me the lettuce and bacon. Your fascinating story of your aunt and uncle's farm doesn't further sell your weird sandwich. <laughs> it belongs with pizza minus the pepperoni and cheese, or a Caesar salad without the chicken and dressing. Something's clearly missing. Now for my Broncos question. Last pod, y'all talked about receivers, and Zach and Mace said they still had hope for Deshaun Hamilton. In that vein, does he have a chance to be a wide receiver one someday? Not necessarily in Denver. Does he have the athletic potential? A, impossible. B, improbable. C, possible. D, probable. And E, definitely defend your answer. Thanks, fam. P.S. Zach, 
Will Gers smoked me last night too. Don't feel too bad. I've spoken. Mile high, Mike. Well, uh, the part about Mace's sandwich, I can only uh, completely agree with. Um, as <laughs> for getting smoked in Madden, I got to give a shout out to Hank. Uh, you know, he is my son, but he uh, he gave me the lashing last night <laughs> in, in Madden. His offense is just unstoppable. I, I really didn't stop it. Well, I got one stop. It was on the 10-yard line. It was a strip sack of Tom Brady, but otherwise I did not force him to punt once in the game. So uh, shout out to Hank and your stupidly good offense. Well, Brian, this will make you feel better about your Madden game. On Monday, I played the Chargers and uh, he starts off the game by saying, yeah, my, uh, my running back hasn't done anything all season. So I'm like, okay, cool. There, here's a chance for me to uh, have a decent game against the run. Now let's get blown out against the run. Uh, he goes for 200 yards and like three or four touchdowns with one running back. So Jeez. that was rough. That's, that is tough. I'm pretty sure. So I'm in the midst right now of playing I, uh, at least I'm going to call it four of the best six teams in the league in four straight weeks. It's just a murderer's row. And I'm, I've started it off. zero and two. That's tough. That's tough. And Ryan, you are my inspiration for what my team can be next year because, uh, you are kind of on the route I was on this year, and you, you took off. So I, I want to see you, you know, finish with a winning record. Yeah, I, I'm, I hope that you get the number one pick. <laughs> Me too. There's some quarterbacks out there, that's for sure. There certainly are. Next one here comes in from World of Suck. Yes or no? Do you guys think Drew Locke gets booed by the Denver crowd this season? I give it a 75% <laughs> chance happening. So I'm going to say yes. All it takes is a slow start in week one or a few games to awaken the true savages in Broncos country. Obviously, this question assumes the presence of fans. No loopholes. You know what? Um, I think it's possible that the offense as a whole could get booed, but I don't think Drew Locke directly will get booed. I, I don't think it happens because I think something that needs to happen um, for booing to happen is either there's – crazy expectations like there was with Peyton Manning where you're only beating the Jaguars you're not beating them by 20 points at halftime and you get booed or there's got to be uh fans seeing someone else behind the starter like last year there was Joe Flacco or Brandon Allen and then there was Drew Locke who fans saw fans wanted he was the sexy option now do you think fans are going to be booing Drew Locke to get Jeff Driscoll I don't think that's going to happen. And I think that people understand that people should understand at least that Drew is going to have a lot of great moments, but he's also going to have some down moments and it's about riding those waves. Heck, I mean, Broncos fans should understand this the best with John Elway. He did not have a very good start to his career, had some very rough moments. What was his first game? He went like one in eight or something in terms of uh, his completions um, and John Elway even got booed. So I think the booing will be saved for 2021 with Drew. At least it should be. Yeah, and I hope he doesn't get booed in 2021 either. But uh, <laughs> I think you're right on that, although I do think expectations are starting to get a little crazy, uh, which is why I was a little afraid of having that Super Bowl conversation. But uh, I think that the expectations should be for the Broncos to have a winning record. I think that is a fair place for them to be. And anything above that uh, should be the cherry on top. Right. 
Speaking of expectations for Drew, how would you feel that this is a stat line that Mason and I talked about last week because Mike Clay projected this for Drew Locke? 3,500 yards. I believe it was 62% completion, um, 21 touchdowns, and 11 picks. How would you feel about that if he did that this year? Uh, I would be disappointed that they didn't score more touchdowns. But other than that, uh, I think that it would be a pretty pretty darn good season. And uh, the prop bet that we gave out on DNVR bets daily for Drew Locke was over 20.5 touchdowns, so he would still cover that. <laughs> yes, he would. He would also cover the over-under for yards for Drew, which is at like 33-something or 32-something. Um, I think – but when I, when I put this out on Twitter – people were not happy at all. They were saying, oh, what a disappointing season. How terrible. Now, when I look at those numbers, is it incredible? No, of course it's not incredible. But gosh, I think that's a good foundation to build on. Drew would just have had the best season from a Broncos quarterback since Peyton Manning in 2014. Think of that. I mean, so it would be a good building block. Again, you wouldn't be talking about him as an MVP candidate this year. But Drew doesn't need to be an MVP candidate for this season for him or the team to be successful. And I do think it's important, as much as we hype these guys, it's important to say what if they don't get to the hype level that we're building them to, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad season. No, not at all. And again, you know, I just I would just like that touchdown number to be up up closer to twenty five. Uh, and I'll even, you know, I'd, I'd rather, I'd honestly rather see 25 and 15 uh, than 21 and 11. Well, I think with Drew's mentality of being a, a gunslinger, that that could happen. That could very well happen. All right. Next one from Sir James Radio. I know we often joke about how Mace has some sort of mutant ability due to his wealth of knowledge and uncanny ability to see things developing way ahead of others. But I finally have proof of it. Here I am minding my own business at work at 0300 hours when Maze out of nowhere mentions Jim Plunkett's name as I'm patrolling by his house. <laughs> Seriously, Maze, just come out and admit you you attended the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. You're among friends. Well, Mace isn't here to admit it, so we'll, we'll just admit it for him. Isn't that where he is right now, is uh, graduating from the Xavier Schools for Gifted Youngsters? Is that uh, a is that a Harry Potter thing? What are, what are we dealing with here? I don't. I was thinking X Men, but maybe that's just because it's Xavier. Oh, I don't know. Well, maybe that's guess. why they're called the X Men. Right, right. Because they graduated from Xavier School. We'll go. <laughs> we'll go with that. And speaking of Mace not being here, next one coming in from the Count, and I'll try to do my best, Count. He says, which 2020 game will provide the most opportunity for Drew Locke and company to score 30 and why and how? Love the count. So I've got the schedule pulled up. Wait, hold on, hold on. Just I need to give you credit here. You called it. What? The Xavier School for Gifted <laughs> Youngsters. That is a uh, a X-Men reference. Wow, I've really lucked out on that one. So do you, does it say that's why they're called X-Men is because of Xavier School? There's the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters is a special institute founded and led by Professor Charles Xavier, or Xavier to train young mutants in controlling their powers to help foster a friendly human-mutant relationship. Um, and... Yeah, then it goes on. Um, 
There's something called the Xavier Mansion, I believe, which is where the Xavier, the X Mansion or Xavier Institute is the common name for a mansion appearing in American comic books published by Marvel Comics. The mansion is depicted as the private estate of Charles Francis Xavier, a character in X-Men comics. It serves as the base of operation and training site for the X-Men. So everything's just based around X in, in X-Men. That's pretty cool. Wow. So what, what power does Mace have? Just the power of knowledge, knowing everything? Yeah, the power of knowledge. <laughs> and he had to go to the Xavier School to uh, to to understand to not just uh, school us humans all the time. Right. Yeah, he had to learn how to like be socially aware <laughs> with his uh, incredible knowledge <laughs> to not mace people left and right. Right. He only maces people for good, not evil. <laughs> there we go. What's your talent? Uh, I have a good pun here and there. That's my talent. Okay. Yeah. And mine, I'm still in the Xavier school trying to, uh, trying to work on the laugh right now, you know, not, not, uh, not turn too many people away with it. Right. Yeah. In uh, Madden, we would say you have a hidden dev trait. <laughs> yes. Yes. And what I need 500 snaps in order to perfect it. Yep, I'm Pro- I'm almost there with LaVisca. I'm at like 460. Ooh, how you feeling about it? I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, really maybe excited. maybe he'll be that superstar X factor. Oh god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> so as to Count's question, which teams do the Bronc and the Broncos put up 30 points or more against and why or how? And Count, I think I have good news for you. I think there's a lot. I think there's many opportunities here. When I go through this schedule, um, I land at maybe the Jets, although Thursday night game, I don't want to say that one. But then you have a four-game stretch where I think the Broncos can do it three times. Against Miami at home, then Kansas City at home. I'm going to say not that one necessarily. By week, Atlanta. I know it's on the road, but I like people being able to move the ball against Atlanta. That's In the dome, too. Yep, exactly. And then the next game – it's very similar. I don't love the Raiders' defense. And in a dome, in a climate control place, if there's no fans, then also the road doesn't impact as much. So that in LA or in Las Vegas, too, that's three of four right there. Yeah. Yeah. And let's sound the alarm there, uh, Zach, because the Broncos' offense is heating up. Um, yeah, I think there's multiple games. I think they could score 30 points on Monday Night Football against the uh, Titans. Uh, no drill Casey out there. You know, uh, the, the running game could get going. I, I, th- I think uh, other than the games where they play very good defenses, I think they're capable of scoring 30 in any game. Yeah, and I mean, at Carolina can definitely happen. Um, and then Vegas at home to end, to end the year. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, week 17 showdown for the playoffs or heck maybe with the division on the line and the Broncos <laughs> top 30 maybe from pig Bemis I have not listened to this pod yet so sorry if this has been covered but after the comments of one Ocho Cinco and watching the footwork and drills of our rookie wide receivers Judy and Hamler I started to think how would this team shape up long term if all three of our wide receivers end up being pro bowlers can a team satisfy a wide receiver core with that much talent do you foresee one or two of them wanting to be traded or possibly refuse to sign with us because they want to be the main target elsewhere? Are we getting ourselves into a Shaq Barrett kind of situation? If that's the case, would we look to trade them and recoup some value? 
I understand that we have aging def uh, an aging defense and that money could be moved over to the offense as time goes on. But we also have a lot of young talent such as Chubb and Justin Simmons that will be heavy on the cap hit as well. Not to mention Drew Locke will need to be paid if he gets turns out to be the guy a bit sooner than most due to the draft in round two. Again, how do you see the money and pieces fitting in the next few payment periods? Well, first of all, let me just say, good problem to have. Um, Great problem. If, if for some reason, you know, you have to trade away K.J. Hamler because he's too good uh, and you just can't get him the ball enough and you get a first-round pick back for him, well, then, uh, again, good problem to have. I'll say this. It usually doesn't work out that way, even, you know, as much as you want it to, mostly because they won't get those opportunities, you know, and so you're not going to have – you're probably not going to have three 1,000-yard receivers. Um, right. But there will come a time where the Broncos are going to have to choose who not to pay. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But it will be someone – uh, or multiple people, especially if, if Drew Locke hits. You know, if Drew Locke hits in the way that we think he's going to hit, well, Drew Locke's going to be a $40 million quarterback uh, before you know it. So just, uh, again, you hope that you win one in that time. You know, you've got like a two-year window here to really do some damage before these contracts start coming up. Yeah, and I was talking about how the the turn with the Broncos is happening right now where the defense is still the ones that should be winning the games, but we know that shift is coming where it's going to the offense. Boy, in 2021, it could match up to be just perfect where the defense is is on the, the final leg of their prime and the offense is hitting their prime, and you have both of those things come together in one season. It could be very, very close, guys, just in 2021. But uh, to your question – uh, Bemis, I think, which I think is a, is a great question. I don't think you're really going to have to worry about wide receivers being upset because they know they're the one and they're not getting the ball enough. If Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler is upset as a rookie, well, I think they're out of place and, and they need to be put in place next year. Uh, it could potentially happen. I'm just not worried about it that much. I think once guys get paid, then that's when they say, okay, I need the money. It happened with Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, when he got his big contract with the Broncos, not the first one, but the one that he got midway through his tenure with them, that's when he kind of changed personalities and, and, and changed. And that's, I think, if you – let's say if you pay Cortland Sutton $15, $20 million a year, and then he's getting four targets a game. That's when I can see him being really upset, or Jerry Judy or K.J. Hamler. I think that you're going to cross this bridge when you have to decide who to keep. Because if these guys are all three number ones, you're not paying $60 million to three receivers. You're just not doing it. Uh, choose two of them. What's going to be interesting is Gordon Sutton. You're going to have to choose before whether to, to let him go or keep him. And maybe that's a trade can candidate because you know you like Judy and Hamler. Corton's put up, what, three or 4,000 yard seasons in a row. He has the trade value. You trade him because the other guys are, are too valuable and you wouldn't get as much back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you could do that, you know. Uh, tr if you traded Cortland at the end of this year uh, and made someone else pay him, or I guess midway through next year, I don't know, you wouldn't do that if you're contending. But 
if you did make that move and you traded Cortland while there's still time left on his contract, there's one more cost-controlled year, well, then you could kind of avoid the problem here because then you have three more years before you have to pay Judy or Hamler. The problem I have with that is you put all this work into developing these guys and to not reap the benefits of when you turn someone into a star um, kind of defeats the whole purpose of draft and develop. So I don't know. I mean, honestly, we, we talk, how often do we talk about this? Pay them early. Why not uh, give Cortland Sutton an extension right now? Unless you think that Jerry Judy's going to become the number one wide receiver this year and his value is going to go down a little bit. Maybe that's what they have in mind, and that's kind of what should happen. And maybe that switch doesn't happen this year. But if he's the number one at the beginning of next season, then, man, if Judy is, then maybe that's what they're waiting for, is for Cortland to kind of take a step back, and then the Broncos can say, well, look, your value, your price went down a little bit. I think Judy or Sutton and his agent will deny that big time. It's going to be interesting, though. It's going to be a very interesting dynamic. But it's, it's like you said, Ryan, it's what you want to happen because that means you, you just have too much talent. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you're like me and you are a weekend warrior on the golf course right now, just waiting uh, to punch your ticket on Friday afternoon to get out to the links, WGT Golf is the place to go to get your golf fix in the middle of the week. Uh, it's, it's an extremely easy game to learn, no matter your age or experience with iPhone video games and whatnot, you will be able to pick up WGT in just a few hours. And it's really fun. I mean, you know, maybe you can't afford that new set of irons right now, but you might be able to afford it on WGT and live the dream there. You can design your golfer. And of course, make sure you go into country clubs, type in DNVR two DNVR number two to get in there. You can play in all of our tournaments, which are really, really fun. So go down, go to DNVRgolf.com and download WGT through that portal. Man, and everyone at DNVR is loving WGT golf right now. And something else everything at DNVR is loving is the Colorado Raptors. Guys, now is the time to get in on the Colorado Raptors, and there's no better place to get in on it and learn the game of rugby, learn all about the Raptors themselves than through the DNVR.com. We got our guy Colton Strickler on the beat, who's not only teaching us about the Raptors, but he's teaching us everything we need to know about rugby itself. He's doing basic 101 pods to break down the game and the team for you. He's on Twitter at DNVR Raptors. Of course, follow Colton Strickland himself as well. And on a podcast at DNVR Raptors. And of course, the DNVR.com, where our Raptors coverage, where all of it is. All right, next one here comes in from LDJ. Hey, guys, some context and feedback from yesterday. Maybe not in the sports world, but in the fantasy world, Daniel Jones is being viewed as a huge sleeper with an immense amount of upside, yet people aren't sure about Drew. Drew has the coach that made Daniel Jones successful, LOL. He has better weapons than Jones did last year and is a better quarterback. Drew is a low-end QB2, and Daniel Jones is considered a QB1 with top 10 upside. I intend to draft Drew with my last five picks in every draft I can, LOL. So, yeah, fantasy world is sold on Daniel Jones, and I don't understand. Yeah, that makes no sense to me. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. And especially because I think, well, maybe the fantasy world is seeing um, where the Broncos get in the red zone and they hand the ball off to Melvin Gordon specifically, and then you also have Philip Lindsay so that he'll be taking touchdowns away. But then I, but then I look out in New York and I think, well, 
the same thing would be happening there, except even more on steroids with that, with Saquon Barkley. So I don't get that at all. Give me Drew's weapons 100 times out of 100 over the wide receivers out there uh, in New York. Yeah, I mean, easy pick. And give me Drew over Daniel Jones 100 times out of 100. Yeah, yeah. And, and Daniel Jones did have um, a, a good season last year with Pat Shermer. And I am a little higher on Daniel Jones. I, I shouldn't say I'm a little higher. I am higher on Daniel Jones um, than I was with him coming out of the draft. But even with that, still give me Drew Locke. Yeah, and I think Pat Shermer, you know, did what he does, which is get a lot out of a little. So we'll see how he does without Pat Shermer. What's he gonna what what what's he gonna do with Drew Locke? Because Drew Locke's not a little. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, gonna get, get a, a lot, lot out of him. a lot. <laughs> there we go. He says, anyways, question for today. Some L's people are calling for us should be guaranteed wins. Tom Brady historically doesn't play well in mile high. I'm not sure why that is assumed by some, but the biggest one I saw, Drew Brees is two and eight versus the Broncos. He's never beaten them in mile high and is two and eight against the Broncos. Why is that win automatically assumed? given how Drew isn't good outdoors in the past few years, he's fallen off a cliff in the late part of the season. Could you see us losing those two games? Because I don't. Uh, (laughs) I can definitely see them losing two games to hall of fame quarterbacks. I know they're both at home, but it's, they're not guaranteed wins. However, I did have the Broncos going one and one in those games. So um, I do think they'll get one of those games, but it's not just, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, again, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they also do have good teams around them, too. Um, and so I think if you split, if you go one and one, I think you're very happy with that. Yeah, I mean, they're two home games, so you should expect to win every home game. But uh, yeah, one and one, you'll take 0 oh and two would be a disappointment, I would say. Guaranteed wins, Ryan? Nope. <laughs> He finishes by saying one last thing. Watching the Saints versus Broncos game gets me excited about Cortland. Cortland had issues getting separation as a rookie, but my God, if he had a game as bad as that game Michael Thomas had against us his rookie year, sheesh. Michael Thomas had a dreadful day that game, but hey, now he's the best wide receiver in the league. So Court's looking good in my opinion. Um, I don't think Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the league. I think he's top five-ish. Um, but I, I think uh, – Cortland Sutton could be every bit as good as, as Michael Thomas. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's no reason he can't be. Um, And I agree with you. And and I think kind of everyone agrees with you about Michael Thomas, not being the best wide receiver in the league. He just has, you, you can't look past his numbers. His numbers are absolutely incredible, but if you're choosing wide receivers, you're probably going to choose one or two guys ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. At least honestly. Uh, I traded Michael Thomas away off my Madden League team. So did you get someone good? Uh, I got two first round picks. <laughs> okay, yeah, there you go. No wonder you said it with a, a big smirk on your face. Well, you know, I just I, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't love. Uh, we we talked about this earlier. Madden's all about speed, and he's just not fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next one coming in from DTL. Speaking of Madden, this is uh, the team I took over. DTL. He goes. Here, hey guys, here's something fun. What do you think the first play of the regular season will be versus what you want it to be? I think it will be an outside handoff to Melvin for five yards. What I want is a deep shot to KJ right away to show them we are playing big right away and get them scared. Peace and much love. 
Oh man, I'm not I'm not in like a mental position to be thinking about actual football games right now. <laughs> well, oh, I think I'm I think so DTL's excited. uh I think DTL's setting us up pretty well here. I agree with you. I think it's gonna be an ins oh god, that's like the worst play, an inside handoff to Melvin to start the season. I think it's going I'll to be lo- that. Oh, I'll lose my mind. <laughs> Well, is is that better than a Noah Fant end around? No. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. And I, just like you, I want it to be a deep shot uh, to, yeah, I mean, to I- any of the four guys, Fant, Sutton, Ham- Hamler, or Judy. I think it's going to be a Jerry-Judy comeback route. Mm, would love that. Just a nice little 10-yarder. He just bursts off the line like he's going to run the nine route. The uh, the corner is on their heels, and he just stops on a dime right at 10 yards, turns around, hits him right in front of the face. Uh, Drew Locke throws a strike, and the Broncos are, are off and running. Why don't you continue them off and running them? Why don't you do hurry up on that first series? Oh, please do. Please yeah. do. And, like, remember that hurry up? that the the Patriots ran. I think they did it for like one year where it was the fastest hurry up I've ever seen. I mean, it was get to the line, snap, get to the line, snap. You should practice that uh, all off season so that you can do that the very first drive of the season. And then you can whip that out here and there because it, at altitude too, if you're doing that in the fourth quarter against teams, I mean, whew, talk about home field advantage. <sighs> Do you remember the so the first drive of, of last season was a three and out, correct? Uh, probably safe bet. Yes, it was. It was. They started minus five. <laughs> yep. So three and out. I'm trying. So the the year before that, it was home against the Raiders. Yep. Was Late. it? No. Oh man. Chargers. Chargers. Maybe. Oh no, Seahawks. Seahawks at home. Oh, right, right, right. The year before that was the Chargers. Right. Um, okay, Seahawks at home, first drive. I'm going to go three and out. <laughs> I think they actually – was it a Case Keenum interception? No. <laughs> oh, that was a game he did have three touchdowns and three picks. I know. Yeah, I can't remember what the first drive was. I was going to say, when's the last time they had a successful first drive of the season? I think oh. it might be a while. Um, Probably Peyton. I, yeah, I'd love to see that. And honestly, you know what? I, I'm still believing that there's going to be fans. I know Mace doesn't. I'm not sure where you are on the topic. But if there's no fans, you could, you know, by running a successful hurry up, you could propagate what is uh, the best home field advantage in the NFL, regardless of fans because of the altitude if you can get defenses on their heels and get them sucking air early in the game especially before you you know you know this as a runner zach the first mile is the hardest right (laughs) yep exactly hit my sweet spot at one and a half so you make sure that first one and a half miles is an absolute burner for them by coming out early in uh in hurry up and there's no reason you can't do this you are one of the youngest offenses in the league you have all young guys and you have so many guys that can rotate in and out. You you sub Melvin and fill out so that they're fresh. You rotate the receivers and the tight ends in and out, and you're not losing a step. Man, I love the idea. This really should be a hurry-up offense, or at least they, they should implement it a lot. Yeah, they should. How about uh, as a dark horse 
candidate uh, for for the first play of the year. KJ Hamler pop pass. <laughs> so Drew and shotgun. Uh, yeah, Drew and shotgun. KJ comes in motion and he just gives him a little a little pop. Gosh, I would love that. However, if it doesn't work out, oh God, is it going to be um, just just too close to the tight end uh, sweep last year? Man, can you imagine the odds you could have gotten on um, Noah Fant rushing play for the first <laughs> play of the season? Yeah, those would have been pretty incredible. That's his first play of his career uh, that he gets the ball. I bet we – I wonder – you know, we should be able to get DraftKings to place odds on this. Mm, yeah. um, so, the options would be, like, uh, Court and Sutton catch, Jerry Judy catch, KJ Hamler catch, no fan catch, et cetera. Melvin Gordon run, Philip Lindsay run, Drew Locke run would be an option as well. Yep. Um, I guess – could you, would you also have to put odds on, like, incomplete pass? Probably, yeah. But that – oh, yeah. So what would uh, you do? Fumble? You do interception? Sack? You wouldn't need to do fumble. You would have to do interception. I guess it could be Drew Lock strips. Uh, yeah, I wonder if they would do that for us. It'd be a lot of work for them because there's a lot of options. Man, I would like that a lot. What 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 would you put as the favorite right now? The favorite would be Melvin Gordon run. Okay, where would incompletion be? Because with all of those other passes, it's to one specific person. Incompletion would just be uh, a pass that doesn't work out, which happens about 40% of the time. Yeah. Think yeah, that'd be number I mean, two? Probably. Probably, yeah. Because it's the most – it's more likely for it to be an incomplete pass than it to, than it to be able to call a specific reception. Right. You know, like 40% are incomplete. Well, only – 10% or something or maybe 25% are going to Cortland Sutton. Right. Man, I may put my money on Jerry Judy catch. I, I like that, Ryan. You said you said it, and I'd put my money on that. I think you get the, the best odds. I like it. You know he's going to be open. He's always open. <laughs> exactly, and I think that's why Drew's going to be looking at him. All right, next and last one here is – that's a goal. Sorry, I'm watching a game. Uh, <laughs> next and last one uh, is, you know, Premier League starts up today. I, I can't resist but to uh, to watch uh, a little bit of live action here on a Wednesday morning. I don't blame uh, you. Last one, the other Ryan. My boys, happy hump day slash we get mad Wednesday slash wildly high on the Broncos Wednesday. <laughs> At the time of posting this comment, there are only seven comments, which inspires this question. What is your favorite less heralded moment of John Elway's playing career? What's a favorite underrated move or moment during Elway's tenure in the Broncos front office? Finish my comment with a quote from the Duke himself. I've experienced the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I think to really appreciate anything, you have to be at both ends of the spectrum. As always, thank you for entertaining my questions and comments, as well as those, uh, as well as those of others within the DNVR community. DNV Army, salute. Love Bye. it, the other Ryan. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going in, in good fashion, I'm going to start off my response to this comment by just thanking John Elway. I'd like to thank John Elway. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boy. Le favorite, less heralded moment of John Elway's playing career. 
That's tough. Yeah, you know, when you're talking about the best player in a franchise's history, I feel like none of their moments are unheralded. <laughs> All right, exactly. Um, as a GM, I think that the Emmanuel Sanders move was uh, really sneaky good. Like, people didn't know Emmanuel Sanders was Emmanuel Sanders at that time. And Emmanuel Sanders became Emmanuel Sanders as a Bronco. So I think that that was a a pretty darn good one. Um, One thing that I have to say definitely should not uh, be on that list is Peyton Manning. And I realize no one thinks that's an unheralded move, but people are always trying to tell me like that it was a, some like sneaky good move or that there was all this risk involved. It was a risky move. There's nothing risky about it. Not even a little bit. No. Yeah, there there was nothing sneaky about it either. And I'll go to um, one that maybe had a little bit of risk. I, I'm not quite sure how much risk is there in Aqib Tlaib. Um, and not just bringing in Aqib Tlaib, who will be talked about in the Hall of Fame conversation, but the Broncos had DRC that season, the, the season before, and he played really well for him, Dom, for, for them, Dominique Rogers, Camardi. And he wanted to be paid. And John Elway was open to paying him. But then when DRC said his number, Elway said, you know what? Instead of staying in-house and spending all that money on you, I'm going to go spend all that money on Aqib Tlaib, who's an upgrade. And he, sure enough, he was an upgrade. And that, that it was risky, not just going outside of the organization because you knew what you had in DRC and he, w- he was a good player then. but going out and getting a keep to leave. He was a risky guy, uh, you know, um, a very good player, but obviously um, had had some stuff in his background that made you wonder if that was going to pop up again. Um, but when you brought a keep to leave here, you got the no fly zone. And I know Chris named it, but a, a keep what really felt like the heart and soul of that. And obviously was so important to Super Bowl 50. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, Akib, in a vacuum, you wouldn't say that that's an unheralded move, but the idea of letting go of DRC, which um, you just search Twitter. If you just search Dominic Rogers Camardi or just DRC and Akib Tlaib, you'll find just a bunch of cold takes of people <laughs> saying that, that John L is an idiot for letting go of DRC for, for Akib Tlaib. So I'm with you on that one. Um, you know, I think one of the, the – not to go to a specific play here, but I think something that was unheralded about John Elway's career at the time was some of the lasers he threw. Like back then, I just feel like it was taken for granted. Today, in in social media culture, these lasers that he was throwing, like one comes to mind that he throws up the seam to uh, Shannon Sharp. That's just like on a line for like 60 yards in the air. Um, These would be just all over social media, you know, it would dominate the timeline for 24 hours. Some of the throws he made back then, I just think, you know, it, things couldn't go viral in 1989. Uh, so, so they didn't, of course, but I think that's something that might've been unheralded. The highlights. I mean, he, he had, you know, at least one a game that was just an absolute highlight throw. Yeah. He, he really did the, the spiral, the cross that, that an Elway spiral would leave on receivers is always uh, something talked about. And man, you saying that just made me think of 
all of the, the kind of the small highlights and maybe the unheralded passes that Elway would throw where he would be running all the way to his right one step from out of bounds and throw it across his body to the left hash and it would be a 12-yard completion. He did those all the time. And I know people talk about Aaron Rodgers now and, oh, he, he can throw off his back foot and he, he can make plays outside of the pocket. But John Elway was doing that to on steroids, way, way crazier than Aaron Rodgers was, not just throwing off his back foot, but John didn't have uh, the best offensive line for a lot of his career. So he was making a lot of plays by himself and some crazy plays that you, you're right, Ryan, now would be going viral every single week. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's fun to just go back and watch some of those highlight packages because you just realize – and I guess, you know, some of those plays still do dominate the timeline. When one of those John Elway highlight reels comes up, people get reminded of just how many highlight throws he had. It's just, you know, it's something that was probably taken for granted. Um, hopefully Drew Locke can be the next one to start just lighting up the timeline with highlight throws because he certainly has the arm talent to do so. All right, well, be. this was a really fun one. Uh, and I love that we got to talk about the defense a little more because I really think that that this defense could propel this team to heights that, that maybe we haven't even discussed yet. All right, before we get out of here, shout out to Denver Rubber Company, the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They're an essential business. They filled many, many needs for several industries across the country during this crazy time. So make sure to hit up DRC for all of your rubber needs. It's one 800 2590010 that's 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com/dnvr for today that's going to wrap it up for Zach and myself it was always good uh, throwing it back with you Zach and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow